my keyboard is LED <gasps> too, and my mouse. I can do that now because my I can so, not right now, but my new laptop has that. We're just a couple of gamers. Gamers. My when I start my new laptop up, it says Republic of Gamers. Wow, that's where we live. <laughs> <laughs> I would never want to live there. We already probably do. just the most. The worst discourse you've ever heard in your life. Probably very smelly. Doritos. Um, yeah, a lot going on there. The kitchen is just bags of Doritos and Mountain Dew. Yeah. Now, I have an interesting question for you as someone who used to drink a lot of Mountain Dew. I used to drink a you, lot. Oh, me, not you. Yes. Okay, go ahead. You didn't. You don't like Baja Blast, right? No, I like Baja Blast. It's oh, you just do? I okay. prefer regular. Okay, I was just curious because I don't really like regular Mountain Dew, but I uh, I love Baja Blast. Yeah, they're different to sodas. Me, they're definitely Baja different. Blast is like a nectar. Like I I landed Saturday night, right? And you can leave this in the episode if you want. I landed Saturday night, right? Because I went on a little trip, and we got Taco Bell afterwards because I was really hungry, but it was like ten at night. And I got a large Baja Blast, and when I tell you, after the stress of the day and the stress of the travel. There was nothing better. It was like ambrosia. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever drank in my life. And it was just a big old Baja Blast. So. I'm I'm happy for, for you, truly. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. I just realized something. Yes? We haven't started. But you know what? We haven't had a cold open in a long time. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. Uh, Kelly, today's a big day. Do you know what today is? Today is... Nope. It's been two years since Elden Ring released, right? Or was that the 23rd? I don't know. Okay. That's not what I was going to say, but... What were you going to say? Today is episode one two three wait are you serious yeah we're on episode 123 yeah i thought we were on like a episode 120 no it's one two three we're like wow. the we're like the count from sesame street wow have you seen that video on youtube where they censor the count um when he says he loves counting so it sounds like instead he's <laughs> like he loves something else no it's but really naughty that sounds i don't very fun I don't, I don't like that they did that to him. Oh, well, we won't make fun of him today. We'll we'll just reference him softly. Wait, that sounded weird. Oh. What's a soft reference? I guess it would be like, I'm counting. I guess you can call me the count. Because it's like, you could be referencing the count from Sesame Street, or you could just be making a joke about how you love counting, so they could call you the count. How high can you count? Can you by chance count to 90 no oh <laughs> i literally can't well then you would... i can't count beyond five i don't know if you knew that about <laughs> me but it's true well i guess i really wish you worked at supermassive then huh oh oh i'm sorry i didn't even realize you were setting me up <laughs> you're it's just so crazy. attacking yourself it's so crazy that we have a podcast that we share news on because i don't even know where i am sometimes i don't know or how either. to count Google um me. Yeah, we'll kind of get into our first news story. Uh, 
unfortunately, this week uh, it does have some more layoff news, which we um, were hoping to avoid, but it seems to be the unavoidable illness in the games industry. Um, and the latest studio affected is uh, Supermassive Games, who are laying off 90 of their employees, which is kind of shocking because it seems like they kind of have a lot going on right now. And I'm pretty sure, didn't they just buy somebody or get bought? Um, I mean, they're owned by Nordisk Games, which is a privately owned firm that I'm not really familiar with. But Right. I mean, they because they work with a bunch of people, but I don't think the that acquisition was recent yeah well i'm not really sure but that's 90 people that are no longer going to be with supermassive which is really a bummer because it seems like they like i said they kind of had a lot going on uh they probably still have a lot going on just with people stretched a little thinner i mean they Um, literally announced until dawn remaster like days ago which i know is they're working with another company to do that but still yeah, and they've got that thing going on with with um, oh, yeah. the Dead by Daylight team. So Was it the, case the casting of, of the Frank case. Stone. Yeah, Frank Stone. Frank. Franklin. Why couldn't Frank stop this? I don't know, dude. It seems like nothing can stop this anymore. It just keeps happening. Um, but this is kind of significant because Supermassive has like 300 plus employees, which sounds like a lot. But when you take almost a third of them... That's a significant loss. That's so this huge. Is, this is really a bummer. If one third of this podcast was removed, think about how much worse it would be. Yeah. What would be I, one? I guess if we both lost our entire bottom half. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because then we'd... Well, if we both lost, like, a leg, do you think that'd be a third? I don't know. It's a tough what math constitutes question. A, what constitutes half of a person? Well, we're trying to do a third. If we're doing half, right. I would just but if it was die. Half, right. But if we're doing a third, I guess just cut off one third of our body mass each. Right. Or two thirds of one of our body masses. Right. I'll take the hit. Thanks. Yeah, well, cut me off from like sternum down. Oh, wow. That's probably two thirds of me, right? That's, I would say that's probably more. Oh, so maybe like. I mean, you do have a big head. I'm just kidding. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I only said it because you've said it before. I would never say it if you had never made that joke. It's also, it's not a joke. It's entirely true. No, you have a perfectly proportionate head. I'm just being silly. It can be large. It's okay. You can be silly and right. You know, you have a if you have a big head, maybe you have a bigger brain. I don't. There's nothing inside this big head. <laughs> Wind goes Sorry. through it, and it sounds like it's a cave. If you want to kick me off this podcast, I would understand, or at least two thirds of me, I would understand. It would be very awkward to kick Kelly off talking games with Kelly and Andrew. I think we've done this bit before. Probably, but it's been it's probably been like a year and a half. It's so. been 123 episodes. Yeah, we no new bits. Every bit is repeated now. <laughs> It's like music. It's the same like four chords, yeah. but it's the same four bits. Over. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We suck. Um, to keep the non-pleasant news rolling, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Z-A-U-M. I don't know how to say that. It's Z- it's a Z and an A and then a backslash and then U-M. 
They developed Disco Elysium, though, so you probably are aware of them. They laid off a pretty sizable amount of their staff, that being a quarter of it. Um, they also canceled a game that they were working on. Uh, reportedly, they've canceled multiple games that have been in development, but this is just another layoff. This is a situation where they were acquired and then immediately layoffs started. I did see people dunking on them online being like, they bought the Golden Goose and then like killed the Golden Goose and were like, well, we have the egg. That's all we need, right? And it's like, the goose lays the eggs. You need the goose. Um, Can't get the goose without the gander. I think it's fair to assume that we're never going to get another game out of them. And if we do, it's not going to be worth noting because they just keep canceling games. Yeah. It, there's, it seems like there was some not so great management yeah. happening there, um, which is really a bummer because Disco Elysium is such an intricate and interesting game, and there's really no other game like it. No. And I think it's a shame that the people who worked on it are now in a situation where they have to, you know search for something new and yeah. it's a shame that they were undervalued when they should have just been making new and awesome product new game yeah. but nope yeah it's quite the bummer <clears throat> um sorry y'all it's really not great news to start <laughs> i was wondering uh-huh. how you're gonna transition here <laughs> I only I only, I wish that we only had good news for you today, but we do still have some bad news. Um, this being that Embracer Group, as we know, the big purchasing group that has bought up so many studios, uh, has canceled 29 unannounced games over the course of six months last year. So between July and December, they uh, canceled 29 unannounced games. That's a lot of games. That's um, so many games. Yeah, and we know what happens with Embracer Group. They buy somebody, and then they're like, bye-bye. Um, so this is not super shocking that they are really into this, like, culling thing, but um, just another example of just the sort of crazy, the sort of craziness that is happening in the industry right now and just how much of a bummer it must be to be working on a game even if you're in pre-production or in the very early stages of planning to put so much work and so much heart and soul into something and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're canceling that. Such a bummer. Even like little games, like even like mobile games, you know what I mean? Like, And I'm sure that some of these games, these unannounced games were probably of that variety. But it's still. Like, it's such a, it's so, it's so disrespectful to the people who work on these games and it's just, we've talked about this like a thousand times. And it's like these people who, like last year was really, really good for the games that came out. It was really, really bad for the industry, mm-hmm. which is a trend continuing into this year. And it's like people are like, we're just like little piggies eating up these games. Like, oh my God, these are so good. And it's like these people are like struggling now to find jobs, to find livelihoods because these studios are just like, bye, 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 bye. It's like there's no integrity it's really sad yeah i i know that this is obvious 
like, it, of course, this many games got canceled because we had, what, 1,400 layoffs right at the end of last year or the start of this year, maybe. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that was the start of this year. And let's be honest, there's probably another swath of layoffs on the way with the way Embracer's going because Embracer seems like it's dying and they own so much. I don't know how this is going to end. Hopefully they just start selling or letting studios buy themselves in some way. It seems wild to me that shutdowns are even an option. Like, I wish studios could just be like, okay, we'll go independent and we'll try at least to do that. But no, it's just because they're owned by this company. The company can be like, nope, we want to report you as a loss for tax reasons. So you have to shut down. Yeah. Such a waste. Very wasteful. Sad. Um, To pivot to some other bad news. uh, No cancellations here, but I hope you're not looking forward to playing any first party Sony games. In the next 13 months, Sony has no major titles. They confirmed this. This is not a leak. This is Sony saying it. They have no major titles planned between now, February of 2024, and March of 2025. None. Not a one. How? How do you do that? They have so many IPs and studios. I guess... They're just, they're, it's my thinking is their IPs are just so huge um, that they, maybe they just feel that they can't, like it's too much. Like they need too much of a runway. Like if they're talking about The Last of Us Part 3 or whatever, I mean, God forbid. Just kidding. I mean, Uh, (laughs) if they're talking about The Last of Us 3 or whatever, it's like they would need to start talking about that now. You know what I mean? But it's like, I just feel like they're, their IPs are just like too big. Because what else? They've got like what? God of War. Yeah, Ghost of they Tsushima. They just released that DLC, Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima is that is a little bit shocking to me that because it feels that like far we're. Away, yeah. It's sort of. It's sh- it, these games feel like they should be on the horizon, but hearing this, it's like whoa! Like maybe these things are getting a little bit too big. They are, but the other thing for me is that Sony has had so many mid-tier excellent ips and studios that are just gone like team uh like japan studio the people who made gravity rush the people who worked on eco and shadow of the colossus like that team could have been working on awesome smaller projects but they just don't exist anymore uh there's they owned so many ips that could be turned into interesting things they could like okay make a new jack and daxter game have a really talented studio make a new jack and daxter game and and it doesn't need to be this wildly expensive game. That's a simple, it should be a simple game. You know, use that IP. There's so many things they have that are just sitting there dormant. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if it's a matter of like the profits that they've reaped from the games that they have released in the past like two, three, four years are like, it's, I wonder if it's telling them that they don't want to make these smaller games anymore because they're not getting as many returns on them. Obviously, when you have a game like The Last of Us Part Two, which came out in 2020, they made so much money on that game. And yeah, I'm sh- it was a very expensive game to make, but they made so much money on it that it's like, I can't imagine them being like, let's spend money on smaller games and pro- maybe not, you know, make back what we need to make back, that sort of thing. It's just... I don't know. Maybe they think it's just a corporate greed is telling them that maybe it's not worth it. Just my thoughts. Feel... And also it's like this it's like the PlayStation 5. Like, come on, dude. There's like nothing. There's nothing. I mean, there's a few things, but it's like this console's been around for like four years now. 
there's like almost nothing special about it, really, if you think about it. But now it's like, well, now you're getting Starfield, Fartfield or whatever. So I guess everything's cool. Well, did you, they also said in a separate statement that the PlayStation 5 has entered the latter half of its life. Yeah, what do you mean? People couldn't regularly buy that console until like two years ago. What do you mean it's in the latter half of its life? I just can't believe, like, they haven't done anything. They've released like four games. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I think it's ironic because, I mean, we'll talk more about Xbox a little bit later, but like, Xbox feels like they're pivoting to be like, maybe just software and just a subscription service with Game Pass and stuff. Whereas Sony feels like it's pivoting to be just a platform. Like, yeah. they don't even need to make games anymore, in their opinion. Like, that that's probably their mentality. They make just as much money off, like, let's say Capcom releases a big game. Capcom releases Monster Hunter, what's the new one called? Ugh. Wilds. Is that right? I don't know. The new Monster World? Hunter comes... No, World is an older one. Yeah. The new Monster Hunter comes out next year. Sony makes... I am just making a number up, but they get $100 million in profit from being the platform holder. And that's all they had to do was exist. You know, they just get royalties for this game selling well. They make Gravity Rush 3 and they make $75 million after spending a bunch. That's their profit. In their head, it probably makes sense to just sit back and let the easy profits roll. Because video gaming is so big right now, you know? And that's the thing is they're also saying they're, like, disappointed with the sales of the PlayStation 5 where it's, it's like, outpacing the PlayStation 4. So, like, gaming is growing, and they know it, and they expect it. So all they have to do is sit by and rake in the profits for all these third-party games. And and that's the thing is I, I love my PlayStation 5 because I love the games that are on it. But that's not Sony's doing. Like, the only thing that Sony did about PlayStation 5 that I'm like, okay, you did a good job, is the controller. And I'm like, okay, that is fantastic. Genuinely good job. But everything else, they're just sitting by and other publishers and developers are doing all the work. Yeah. (sighs) Well, at least all the bad news is done, right? No. (sighs) Uh, The Switch 2, you know, we've been talking about it a lot. Uh, This thing that may or may not exist. Just kidding. It exists. Um, But some sources are saying that it is going to be delayed until uh, early 2025. Mm. Now, I part of me is kind of like, uh, who really cares? Because it's like, we didn't really know, quote unquote, about this yet. So it being delayed a couple months is not like a killer. Yeah. Now, if they had announced it and they said, oh, it's coming out August 2024, and then they were like, mm, sorry, just kidding. It's actually going to come out April 2025. That would be very disappointing. Yeah, but we don't but know. But I think because of the you know, mystique around it, this makes this a little bit of an easier pill to swallow. <clears throat> I think I'll talk about this selfishly. I, right now, am very happy with video games. You know, there's a lot of good games coming out. Uh, this month is almost over, but March is also super packed. We're a, we're going to be entering a game drought pretty soon. 
the summer is pretty empty. And well, I wouldn't say that. There's I mean, a really big title coming out this there, summer. Yes, we do know about something really big that we'll talk about at the end of the show. But like, that's one. Like, compare that to February. Like, between the end of January and mid March, we got Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. We got the new Prince of Persia. We got Tekken 8. We got Persona 3 Reload. We got Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. We got Rise of the Ronin. We got uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. We got Princess Peach Showtime. And then a bunch of other smaller titles. It, it is a very front-loaded year. Right. That's crazy for, for less than three. That's a two-month span. You know, I listed three months, but that's a two-month span between m- late January to mid-March. Um, and then in April we have, what do we, we have, uh, Stellar Blade. That's about it right now. And then in May we have Hellblade and that's it. And then in June we have something we'll talk about in a bit, but that's like, that's a huge drop, (laughs) which is, there's a lot of games coming out. So I am going to need that time to catch up, which is what I'm getting to the selfish thing. I have like a my backlog is slightly nerve wracking because I really want to play some of these big games. And that summer drought is like looking like a really good time to catch up, especially before that big June release. Um, But if that drought stays as bad as it looks right now. For me, Nintendo was the hope, you know, because, okay, if holiday comes around and there's a drought, Nintendo was the cure. You know, if they have a big launch title or two, that'd be huge. That'd be a big help for the end of the year. But if they're delayed to early 2025, and we don't, just for clarity, we don't know why. Some people are saying it's to fix, like, for the games that they're making, which would make sense, you know. Because if you want to launch it with a new Mario and the new Mario needs three more months, there you go. You, you delay the console. But there's also people saying that they aren't sure about supply. And if they delay it to early 2025, then they'll definitely have enough consoles for launch. Which I would, that makes, both of those things make sense to me. And I would prefer that over a rushed launch that doesn't do well. Um, But selfishly, I'm a little worried about a winter drought. The summer drought's okay with me because I have lots of games to catch up on. But a winter drought slightly worries me. I know what you can do in the winter. What? You can play Baldur's Gate 3. Well, I'm still playing that. That's the... Well... There's a lot that you're going to have to play in, like, the next couple of weeks. So Baldur's Gate will probably have to go on the back burner. You're right. So I'm saying give yourself some time. Space it out. You'll be probably be playing Elden Ring. I mean, oops. Spoilers oh, as though everybody episode. doesn't know what we're about to be talking about. We're talking <laughs> about the Elden Ring DLC, but we'll talk about it more later. <laughs> I'm just saying you might have some time in the fall slash winter to really dig back into Baldur's Gate, which is a great fall winter game. You know, you're probably right, but I don't want to be thinking about late this year right now anyway, because that's existentially scary. Yeah, We probably will find out about a holiday title, whether we want to or not. Um, tomorrow, well... Today, well, what time does this Ooh. podcast come out? If you're listening to you, you, this, already happened. Okay, our podcast releases at eight a.m. So unless you literally sit there and wait and hit play the second it drops, um, the Pokemon presents has already happened. So if you don't know what they talked about, go ahead and check it out. But Pokemon announced that they're going to have a Pokemon presents pr- presentation. That was sloppy. I'm sorry. Um, 
It's at 9 a.m. Eastern, so we'll be watching it right along with you. You will have already seen it, I'm sure. Um, I'm excited because... Okay. I'm like half excited and half not because realistically, I don't think they should announce games. <laughs> they need to take a break. But I'd also like to see a new Legends game, and I feel like this is... If that's going to happen, this timing makes sense. They have to have a game for this holiday, is what I'm thinking. Not because I want them to, but because that's what they're going to do, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the cycle. So the cycle of it was they announced Scarlet and Violet like February 2022. Mm, I thought they announced it the same day as Arceus. I just I remember I was in Chicago at the time and there were lots of world events going on at the time. Some scary world events going on at the time. So I might be wrong. They showed off the starters. Yeah, yeah. The announcement for Scarlet Violet sucked. Well not sucked, but it was just nothing. They showed off the starters in February twenty twenty two. So that was a big mainline game. Part of me wonders if maybe that's what we're getting because of the same similar timing. You're right, February of twenty twenty two. I think another Legends game would be awesome. I think if we maybe saw Tinklings. Do you like my use of the word Tinklings? No. I think if we maybe saw Tinklings of the Gen 5 remakes, that would be kind of cool. Because, of course, they're working on them. Um, I don't really know. There's a lot of speculation around this little teaser because of the music that they use. But I just am not sure that's 100% relevant. Is it? But I think now that I've said that, it's like Game Boy music. So people, so people, think people are like, re- oh, they're going to bring the Game Boy titles to Switch, which would be fine. That's not really um, a big announcement, though, is it? Yeah, it feels like maybe they would have something bigger, and then maybe they'd tack that on at the end. So I don't really know. I'm looking forward to it either way because I'm excited for new Pokemon stuff. And if, you know... And if it is the Gen 5 remakes, that would be cool because I am I love Gen 5. It's one of my favorites. Um, I don't. I think it's woefully underappreciated. But I but but with the caveat being that um, the Gen 4 remakes were not great. <laughs> so my only hope is that they've learned. But when you're talking about like the Pokemon company, it's like, did they learn? No. Do they need to learn? No. Because people will buy it anyway. Because me, the little piggy that I am, will buy the slop anyway. Because I am something's wrong with my brain. Yeah, if they announce a Gen 5 remake now, it's going to be bad. There's no... It has not been enough time since uh, BDSP. That being Diamond and Pearl's remakes. (laughs) It has not been enough time since those came out. For a new remake to come out that's impressive. Because when did those come out? January 2023? No. Earlier than that. No, because they came out. Yeah, they came out November of 2022. Wait. One? Oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was Arceus at the beginning of 2022. Legends yes. Arceus. Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. I'm just going to look it up. Yeah. Because they were all within a year of each other, right? Oh, Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl came out November of 2020. What year is it? Today It's four now. So it came out right at the end of 2021, right? And then Arceus came out a couple weeks later. Did it? I'm, I'm checking. 
because 2021 that's the year we started the podcast that seems like very long ago it is very long ago and that is correct it was wow. it was right at the end of 2021 they released brilliant diamond shining pearl and then right at the start of 2022 they released legends arceus and then at the end of 2022 they released uh scarlet violet so that remake was will have been three years ago this winter I think that's enough time. It's enough time if they're but, doing the same level of But like years. I said, yeah, it's not like they're learning. It's not like they need to. That's the thing they is can make, they can make the worst Pokemon game you've ever played and people will still enjoy it. And they kind of did. Anyway. Well, I'm talking I would disagree. Are you talking about Scarlet and Violet? I'm talking about everything that they released in the past year except Arceus, but Arceus is also hideous. It just was fun. I don't think Scarlet and Violet were as bad as people say they are. I think people's opinions of the game are being overshadowed by the performance of the game. Yeah, but I think that counts. Like, it's it's a good I, game, but it's ruined for, not for me necessarily, but... Ruined. I think it's very playable. I think if you... I think that... Well, we don't have to get into it. I mean, it's pertinent in the sense that I just think it's... The thing for me is it's getting worse. Like, the problems are getting worse. Like, Sword and Shield was ugly, but it worked for the most part. And then Legends Arceus was hideous, but really worked. And then Scarlet Violet was hideous, well, kind of ugly, and also really didn't work for, for a lot of people. And the other thing is, like, we also play a little different than some people. If you played online... It is a bad game. Like, it's that ruins it horribly. And you can't be mad at people being like, well, then just play offline. Because it's like, that's they marketed the online. Like, that's part of the appeal for people. Um, what I'm getting to is that I hope that nothing gets announced. Which is not going to happen. Like, of course they're <laughs> going to announce things, but... Yeah. I, it is a really... It's very... The timing is weird. I think they always do February, though. Not the month at 6 in the morning Pacific time. Oh, I mean, I think That's it's probably crazy. I feel like it's one of those things where they just want everybody to be awake. So it's like six in the morning in, J in here so that people are watching it at night in Japan. I accidentally blasted I mean, I audio. So. I, so. I don't care that much. I'll be watching. I don't know if I'll watch live. I'm busy. So, but I'm curious. We'll be talking about it next week. We talked so much about this. It has already happened for the audience. They know what happened. Yeah. What if it's like. They've announced everything that we've talked about, and now we just sound like a couple of buffoons. Yeah. I hope if they did, I wouldn't want a Gen 5 remake. I'd rather have Legends game set in that region, and then the Gen 5 remake come way later. I, you know what I want from the Gen 5 remake is for it to look like 2D HD, like pixel art, yeah. gorgeous pixel art. But That would be cool. I, I ain't five, is so, the, five is so good. It introduced so many new things. I feel like... Pokemon games, sometimes they just, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. Sometimes they just really push it, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? And that's how I felt about Five, and that's also how I felt about Scarlet Violet in terms of, like, the gameplay. Not necessarily, like, being revolutionary, but... I feel like the ending of Scarlet the end Violet. Game, yeah. The end game of Scarlet Violet was so interesting. I was like, they're really pushing it now. They're pushing something different. Something different is happening. And I felt that same way about Five. 
So I think if they did an art uh, Legends game in five, that would be really, really cool. That would be really cool. Uh, so, I, so I agree with you there. But I also agree that if they did something, I feel like a 2D HD reimagining of Gen 5 would be really, really cool. And I think it would really honor the spirit of the games. Yeah, because those games' pixel art is stunning. And it was sort of like a refresh. Like we're starting over. Like brand new region, brand new Pokemon. You can't get any of the old Pokemon. It was something very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to have sort of a... You know, like like we were saying, like to have something that sort of honors that would be really cool. And I think a good way to honor that would be to to have some sort of stylistic uh, game instead of trying to make it like chibi or whatever. Yeah, and I feel like Gen Four is my favorite Pokemon region for because you know it's what I started with and I just love it a lot. Um, but Gen Five, I think, is the best. Like I'll just say it straight up. I think Gen Five is peak Pokemon. Um, it's so unique so it's kind of hard to, how do you what do you do with that for a remake it's difficult yeah it's gonna be hard yeah but it's gonna it's happen just... too so we'll see and the region was so different it just oh it's so special and the the enemy not the enemy the antagonist whoa that was crazy um do you want to talk about the nintendo direct partner showcase that we uh we got while we were away Yes, yes. Uh, we got some fun announcements from the direct partner direct showcase. Uh, one of them being that Pentiment will be on Switch now. Pentiment is a game that I've been meaning to play because I really, really like uh, the main writer. Uh, he uh, um, also was a writer for Fallout New Vegas, so Obsidian. Uh, great. And he's a great guy. I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Friends with him? I'm not saying I have a crush on him. Okay. Oh, anyway, my goodness. Um, so that's coming out on Crazy. Switch as well as uh, Grounded, um, which is cool. Uh, Grounded looks rough, though. The footage was, it's like yeah. 240p. Yeah. These are both uh, Obsidian games, both of them. Um, what? Grounded is Obsidian? Yes. What? I didn't know that. That's so silly. Why is Grounded by Obsidian? That's a great question. I don't know. The I don't really know heck? what's going on in Obsidian. It feels like there's a lot of a lot of soups that they're stirring right now, and I'm not sure any of them are sa- are the same soup. Um, <laughs> Pentiment is already out on the Switch right now, um, and then Grounded will be out on the Switch on the 16th of April, so in about two months. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, and uh, Xbox is also... Uh, releasing uh, Sea of Thieves. Not on the Switch. Yeah, this Uh, isn't direct news. It's just tangential. And Hi-Fi Rush on the PlayStation 5, which is kind of cool. I feel like Sea of Thieves um, might get a player boost from being on PS5. I was surprised. This game kind of has like a cult following. Like people do enjoy this game. It's no skull and bones. I'll tell you that much. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was a joke. which might be why people are playing it. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, I really have been, like I said, I've really been trying to play Pentiment. You remember, I talked about it like last year because yeah. I had downloaded it on Game Pass and then I never played it. Um, but yeah, so, and I probably won't play it on Switch because I can play it for free. I was going to say. But, well, not free, $10 a month. But Included. Included. Exactly. Exactly. So this is fun. 
Could you hear that rumble? Yeah, what was that? I live right by a an airport, like a, a oh. local airport, like small planes for Kent State. They practice around it. Practice? Is that the word? They fly here. Um, but I have my windows open because it's really nice. So a plane, they're always loud, but you normally don't hear it because the windows are closed. But my windows open, so it sounded like that was a scary. Giant I thought we were under sky attack. Fart. I'm surprised that Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves aren't coming to Switch, but maybe they're waiting for the Switch successor because they won't have to downgrade them as much. Yeah. Uh, another game that they announced that's a lot more uh, My Wheelhouse. House. House. Although I, th- I feel like I'm going to suggest it to Kelly more so now, and that's SMT5, Shin Megami Tensei Five Vengeance. This is an up- upgraded port, I guess you could say. Port is not the word, There's though. a girl. Who? There's a girl in it now. Oh, well, they're doing the Atlas thing where they add a girl. I mean, there were there were women. There were quite a few women in the original, but. But you can play as her now, can't you? No. Okay. Uh, She appears to be a central character in the new story, but. She's like a party member, I think, maybe. Anyway, anyway, so the the deal with this is it's kind of like Persona Five Royal. You cannot get this as DLC which is very disappointing for me. Um, But the way it works is that halfway into the original game, there is now going to be a major split, and you choose whether to take a path that will just be the original game, or you choose to go the vengeance path, which will lead to an entirely different game. Um, For the second half of the game, it'll be entirely new content, which is cool. That's a lot of new content if it's the entire back half. Um, The thing for me is, like, I don't, you know, time... I don't have a ton of video game time, so having to replay that first half to experience the new stuff is very disappointing because I really am interested in it. If it was DLC, it would be a no-brainer for me because I loved the original. Um, but as it stands, it's going to be kind of a wait-and-see situation. If it's really, really good, I might hop on. The other thing is that it's coming to everything, so it's not just coming to Switch. It is no longer exclusive. It's coming to PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox, and PC. So I might get this game on PS5 and oh boy, would that be quite the upgrade because <laughs> it, I mean, it was good on Switch. It was very well optimized, but just looking at the PS5 footage in this trailer, it's like so sharp and high frame rate. So I might just return to it, but I think Kelly, if you're at all interested in this game, this is going to be the best way to play it now that you can get it on like PC or PS5. Um, another game that was announced at the oops, sorry. What? What'd you do? Well, What's you wrong? didn't hear that. I uh, my mute was off on the trailer. Oh, it blasted so yours. It was really <laughs> scary. Yeah, I got really scared. Um, <laughs> is a Sega game, Super Monkey Ball Banana Rumble. That's right, folks. Another Super Monkey Ball game. Uh, I don't think the last one did great, but that's not gonna stop them. Well, they haven't made a new around... one in a long time. Like a new, new one? I would argue that the remake was new enough. Because there hasn't really been a Super Monkey Ball game since, like, the Wii. I think that might have so been they... the last one, yeah. So they fully remaking one up feels a little for, like, a new engine feels like a new game to me. I can understand the argument otherwise. Yeah, I, I feel like it was them testing the water. Yeah. I used to play Monkey Ball so much when I was little, Super Monkey Ball on my GameCube so much when I was little. I could do those I could do those levels like with my eyes closed. I could hear the little <laughs> noise that Mimi that Mimi would make 
when she would when her ball would hit too hard um anyway (laughs) the point is uh this is a new super monkey ball game brand new and it's coming out june 25th for the nintendo switch exclusively yeah that surprised me a lot for the nintendo switch uh and you can customize your monkeys now folks okay you want you want a monkey in a top hat you got that you want a monkey in freaking a freaking dress and some glasses you can put that monkey in whatever you want uh so my my thing is why don't we free these monkeys they need to be free from their balls I do fear that it may just be a regular old game if that's the case. <laughs> anyway, I might play this just because I love Monkey Ball. It, I mean, it's but... the first. Okay, how about this? It's the first new console Monkey Ball, including those right. re- remasters, in 14 years. Yeah. That step and roll intense. on the Wii. That's pretty intense. Uh, the the villain in Super Monkey Ball was like a baboon. I always felt that was kind of like, mm, it should be a human. Monkey racist. Yeah, it's kind of like humans are the real enemies. Like chi- like apes need to stick together. Like chimpanzees, monkeys, gorillas. I love monkeys. I love primates, you guys. I really do. I feel a deep connection to them. And... I fear that if something bad happens to any of the monkeys in this game, I'm going to be devastated. I don't so think I anything's going to go wrong with the monkeys. I'm going to be honest. Well, have you played Super Monkey Ball? Yeah, I played that collection. Because when bad things, I mean, when they get, like, when they land too hard. Oh, that's what Or you when mean. they fall, when they, like, plummet to the earth. It's really devastating. I'm sorry for, for your loss. <laughs> Hey, did they announce any other games Uh, or show off any other games? Well, Penny's Big Breakaway, the independent 3D platformer made by the same studio that brought you Sonic Mania, got a new trailer during this direct and boom, released. Surprise. I've been excited for this game. It's something I've been really anticipating, so I was very pleasantly surprised. Uh, Kind of terrible timing because of how many games are out right now, but I am planning to play it soon. I've heard nothing but good things. Um... It looks stunning. It looks super fun. I've heard it's not too long, which is good for a game like this. It allows you to kind of replay and re-explore. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I'm glad they did a shadow drop. That's really cool. Didn't you predict that they were going to shadow drop this game? Um, sure. Yeah, that sounds like me. I swear that you I were think like, I predicted a, release this game. I think I predicted a really fast turnaround. Well. So I guess really fast as in instant. That still kind of counts, right? Sure. Yeah, I'll say so. Hey, you ever play Epic Mickey? No. On the Wii? Have you? No. Oh, you haven't? No. Seems like some crap you'd play. Oh, I actually heard that it was really good. Yeah. And cool. I meant crap like the generalized generalized crap. Oh, right, right, right. Well, they're remaking it for the Switch. It's called Epic Mickey Rebrushed, which is kind of fun. Uh, No release date? Just a window coming 2024. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I'm not sure anybody really expected this because Mm-mm. nobody's really talked about this game, I don't think, since it really came out. Um, but I think this is kind of cool because it's just, it's random. People really liked this game. Um, so I feel like this will be a fun bit of 
fan service. Yeah, I think I think I've because it has quite a niche fan base. I haven't heard much about it, but it's cool that it's getting remade. Um, I really didn't expect it. Um, I guess I'll be curious to see how it turns out. It tells the story about Mickey's cousin Walton Go- Walter, Walter, Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins, the guy who plays the ghoul in Fallout the television show that we're about to watch. The ghoul who plays the guy, the guy himself, the ghoul himself. What's the name no. of that actual character? Like Waldorf or something? No. Wal Walmart. I feel like it was something with a wall, which is why I said that joke. But now I'm kind of like, what if it's not at all? I don't know what it is, so I feel like totally stupid. Wall. Epic. Characters in the Epic of Gilgamesh. How about Epic Mickey? Epic Gilgamesh. Oswald. 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 (laughs) Not Waldo. Waldo is pretty close, though. Right. Like it could be Oswald though. though. No, not not Walton Walton Goggins. Goggins. Not Walton Goggins. Well, you can't win them all. Walton Goggins can, though. (laughs) Do you think Walton Goggins will be in the finally fully revealed Elden Ring Shadow of the Aired Tree expansion? I think he might make make a surprise appearance. Okay. Well, we'll know soon because uh, Shadow of the Aired Tree finally is coming out June 21st. We found out in a big new trailer. We also found out the game. Well, the DLC, I should say, is going to cost $40, um, which, as silly as it sounds, is good news to me, because that means it's going to be big. And I think this trailer makes that very apparent. What did you think of the trailer, Kelly? I thought it was really cool. So I have to tell you, um, the context of me watching this trailer, I was at the airport waiting in line at TSA. Um, for those who don't know me, I have terrible anxiety about flying. So I was waiting in line at TSA, which of course is an anxiety-inducing situation anyway. And I was like, man, I'm just trying to get through this. Now, this line is never long at the airport that I go through. It's never long. This is the longest it's ever been. I was like, oh my God. I was like, what if I miss my flight? I was scared. I wasn't going to miss my flight. I was still like an hour early, but- It's scary. It was scary because you never really know. And a good friend of mine named friend of the show, Andrew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> friend of the show. I was like, where are you going? I'm the one who's Friend of you. the show, producer, host. Um, Andrew sent me this trailer over text. And I was like, oh, my God. And I knew the trailer was imminent because it had kind of been announced. But I didn't really realize it was going to come out that early in the day. So I watched this on mute in line at tsa and i'll never forget that i mean Um, it's still pretty good even muted (laughs) it is uh to get into the trailer itself though not just my backstory um i thought that it looked really really cool um something that i really like about elden ring is that it's got a lot of like i don't even want to say hidden depths because they're not really hidden you can they're not it's like when you dig deep you find so much of the story but um what I really like about this trailer is that there was a lot of elements to it that kind of reminded me of Bloodborne a little bit, which, mm. you know, I'm a big Bloodborne fan. Um, big bloodhead. Big. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> maybe not my favorite, like, way to express it, but. Bornhead. Um, Bornhead. I think that's better. But that makes me sound like a fan of the Jason Bourne movies, which I'm not. Uh, Headborn. 
Sure. I liked the environments. Would in this you say trailer. that you have was... a bloodborner? <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Of... I'm just kidding. I did the bit, you guys. Um, uh, one of our four. I'm, I'm one of the four. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited to see like the story stuff that happens because Elden Ring's story interests me a lot. I think it's the most fleshed out Soulsborne story. Um, just probably because of all the context behind it, like George R. R. Martin and everything being a collaborative writer for the pre-shattering or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to learn more about the characters. I thought the environments looked really cool Yeah, for it being f- like $40. It really looks like a lot is going on and it looks like there's going to be a lot more. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit scared of Mikola because um, America was not America. Millennia, Millennia was so <laughs> scary. I mean, they they said <laughs> that the final, the hardest boss in this will be harder. Cool. It's, um, it's probably going to be very hard. Yeah. The whole DLC. Yeah. Um, C- I'm excited because I also think that it's just, it just feels really good. Like it feels really good to see like new Elden Ring stuff. Like, it's such a good game. It's so good. It's so good. And is- I feel like it's been so long. It came out in 2022, which feels like so long ago now. And it's like, oh, and the music was so good. Oh, my God, you guys. I'm so excited. I, feel I didn't like- know. I mean, I knew it was coming out this year, but I didn't really know, like, the extent. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't know when it was coming out. So I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. It's like after that amount of time, it makes sense for it to be this big, but it's still very exciting and comforting to know that it is gigantic. Um, yes. And like I'm hope- that $40 price tag makes me feel like in combination with the words that Miyazaki's been saying in interviews about like how it's gigantic and it's really it's a new open world zone. That was the thing. I mean, I think we all kind of figured it would be a new open world because how would you redo what's already there but just having more to explore is exciting for me because i you know i devoured every inch of that world and i just want more yeah i'm excited to get back into it i'm excited to replay elden ring for this yeah um oh you're gonna replay it then oh yeah oh yeah because that was my that's my only fear is like like leveling like yeah what if i get bad at the game because i haven't played it in two years i'm not actually scared about that i'm scared about being too good and by that i mean like too high level so i wonder if maybe i really hope there's some because this is open world so it's really easy to get op so i hope there's some kind of balancing that happens where like i think the game will probably start at a certain point where like if you defeat a certain boss then you can start the dlc so i think that will probably be a good gate guide for how what your level should not level but what your skill level should be at for the right but i was just planning i I was just planning without leveling up you know what i mean so i was just planning on picking it up where i left off that was the thing that so that's why I'm a little worried that I'll be too strong. But I'm, I'm sure, sure they'll, they'll probably come up with something to make it balanced because they're so smart. Yeah, I yeah, I'm excited. What was I going to say? I was going to say something about Elden Ring. Oh, I hope this adds a new ending. I kind of feel like it will just because it makes sense for cuz there's the endings in um Elden Ring are I mean, I guess I can spoil it. It's 2 years old. They're all based on something that's happening with the tree. Uh so I feel like shadow of the aired tree 
something new. I'm connecting the dots. I'm, I think this will add a new ending. I don't want to presume, but I'm thinking it will. I'm very, very excited in late June to watch a YouTube uh, video that tells me what happened in the story that I didn't understand. Yeah, shout out to uh, Vati Vidya for really being the lore master. I... Oh, the thing about... <laughs> Sorry, I had to collect my thoughts. The thing about Souls DLC is it usually adds some really nice closure to the story because it's typically only one and done. Like, the Bloodborne DLC really added some nice closure in, like, here's how everything started. Yeah. And I feel like I want to get some nice closure from this DLC, which I think we will. So I'm really excited about that, too. I would now say it is my second most anticipated. Like, if we had known release date, I would have made this my second most anticipated game. Behind, yeah, like, I probably would have made this my first Yeah, if I'm keeping it real with you guys. I just feel like Final Fantasy VII is out in, like, three days at time of recording. So it's kind of like, I'm just sort of riding that hype right now. So the timing makes it harder to be hyped. But the second that I finish that game... I will be fully ready for this. And, like, it's definitely the biggest... I'd say it's the biggest release of the year now, which is bad, because, like, it's DLC. That's silly. But, like, for me, that's the way I view it. I have to ask you a question. I have to ask you a question about Final Fantasy VII. Rebirth? Yes. The one that's out in three days? Yes. Two days at time of listening? Now. Now. This is unrelated pretty much to everything we've been talking about this entire episode. Okay, unrelated. I'm ready. Do you think Cloud is better than with Tifa? Oh, or Aerith? Tifa. Okay, interesting. Well, Aerith, because, Aerith and Zach are meant to be together. Well, here's what's happening. Okay, and this is—I'm speaking as someone who's who was on Tumblr in 2011. On okay, there were these huge ship wars between people who shipped Cloud and Tifa and people who shipped Cloud and Aerith. Ship Wars is and what they should have called Skull and Bones. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. And it was like, okay, whatever. It kind of, I mean, you can't really say, I don't want to say, any, it's a really old game because I, so I'm not really spoiling it, but it's like one of the pairings is probably a little bit more likely to happen than the other for reasons I won't get into. It's like the biggest spoiler in gaming, like everybody knows, but I'm still not going to say it. I'm oh, I thought you're talking about Zack being dead, and Zack dies before Final Fantasy VII starts. So I was like, "How's that a spoiler?" That's the whole point right. is that he dies before the game starts. Right. <laughs> uh, that was not who I was talking about. But you were talking. About, I will say uh, James Sunderland Sutherland. Who's James Sutherland? He's from Silent Hill too. Oh, he's also not dead. I thought it was Sunderland. So. Who's Sunderland? Sunderland. I Sutherland. Sunderland. Sutherland. James Sutherland. I can't remember. Anyway, the point is I'm seeing Sunderland. these ship wars reignite on Twitter. It's crazy. And you know what else? This is, you know, that's totally unrelated. I'll say that off air. But it's crazy. I'm like, this stuff happened like 15 years ago, you guys. 15? Do you mean we 25? Was, we No. Oh, Tumblr specifically. No. We thought it was settled after Advent Children. We thought it was the dust had settled we thought it was over we thought war was over war is happening it's happening <laughs> on twitter on x i'm not calling it that and it's crazy i couldn't believe what i was seeing and people get so mad about it and you're like 
you guys, people will be like, Cloud and Tifa are so much better together. And they'll be like, Tifa's too rough and tumble for Cloud. He needs someone who's more, who's like, who's sparky and will bring him back to life. It's like, you guys, what are we talking about? It's the same thing. It's like. (laughs) You're reliving trauma. Time, time is a flat circle. It's just. Uh, What I'll say is that this is spoiler free because I do not have an advanced copy of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. But I have a feeling at the end of that game, uh, we won't really have a choice in the shipping matter. Well, we'll see. One way or the other. I want Cloud to get with Barrett. Andrew, did you play anything this week? <laughs> I was hoping the, the the gap was longer. I'll edit in a <laughs> really, re- like a three-minute silence. <laughs> um, yeah, I played some video games. So uh, I'll start with Like a Dragon because I finished Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Took me like 40 hours. That game was so good. The ending was really, really heartfelt. Um, the way that they do the, the, the gameplay, because it kind of splits off in the middle into two sort of distinct narrative paths. I thought it was a really interesting um, route that they took. Um, this is clearly, in some sense or another, the end of Sekiryu's story. Um, like, he, this is their way of sending him off to an extent. Um, so I, I think whether you may see that man's face again, I cannot say for sure, but I don't think he'll ever be a protagonist again. And I think that was a deliberate choice um, because obviously the last game starred Ichiban, uh, Kasuga Ichiban, but it feels like this game actually had Kiryu pass the torch to him in some senses, almost literally, um, and I really did appreciate that. I had a great time. The gameplay is exceptional. The ending, uh, like the whole last part of the game is very fun. I never had to grind, which was really cool because I think that was a big problem in the 2020 game. Um, there was no grinding in this. It just kind of everything, all the levels came naturally, just playing through the game and doing a tiny bit of side content, but I had a great time extremely high recommendation from me. Uh, wow. I also played and almost caught up to Kelly on Persona 3 Reload. Uh, I did a lot of playing this weekend, like a lot. Like I played a, on on Friday. I think I played probably like seven hours. Uh, but that doesn't matter. Don't stop. Don't look at me like that. Anyway, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I echo most of Kelly's thoughts mechanically fantastic visually fantastic the music slaps kelly's right the new night theme is one of the best songs in persona history isn't it it's so exceptional good. oh my god um, my only th- critique that i have that kelly did not is that the beginning i think because i had no idea what's coming because i don't know the story of this game i've heard from so many people not even just kelly like oh this is like a really really good persona story it's one of the best if not the best i was 15 hours in and i was like what are y'all talking about because very very little happens like the first like two hours is breakneck pace to introduce every character and just get them in and like they don't have a lot of introductory time and then they're just there and it's fine like that's fine but then nothing really happens for like a couple months of game time and things are just now starting. I'm I'm about to be at 20 hours. And I'm like, okay. Now we'll see what everybody's talking about. But I will say it definitely starts slow. The mechanical flow and like the way you get into things is still there. So you're not going to have a bad time playing it. But if you're familiar with like Persona 5 especially, which 
that game's overarching narrative starts right from the get-go. Even if mechanically it's a little slow, the over- overarching narrative starts almost from the beginning, you know, like right from the start. Um, I have something to say. About me? The Persona 3's overarching narrative. I'm it waiting. does start at the beginning. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, there's so much there's so much it's hard because I have so much context. That's what I'm saying is that you have a different like. So it's hard for me to tell you these things without it getting spoilery. Yes. And it's also like I don't want to like I'm not trying to make it sound like I your experience isn't valid and that like your critiques are not valid. And that's what I'm saying is like I don't doubt that these first 15 hours would be enhanced by like greater context. But. As somebody who's new to it, especially as someone who is a, like, murderously high uh, Persona 5 and Persona 4 fan, I was a little, I mean, I'll just say I was a little let down by the first chunk because there is very little happening. And again, I don't doubt that when, like, I get later in the story, I'll be like, oh, that's what was going on, like, behind the scenes. But, like, my experience playing those first 15 hours was a little just a little paltry like there's not a ton going on and like i said i just first of all gameplay is fun the loop is fun tartarus is pretty good i do think it can't compare to what persona 5 does because persona 5 has designed dungeons whereas this is procedural um if you like ps2 rpgs this is still a ps2 rpg for better and for worse um and I do think there's, like, certain things, like the social links, there's kind of not. Some of them don't have a ton going on. Like, I feel like Persona 5 puts so much stake into making each one very unique um, and have so much depth. Well, not all necessarily, but most of them have so much depth and they're visually very different from each other. Whereas this game, a lot of them are people in your class and by extension they kind of start, they, they bleed together at the start. And I'll say, having gotten very far into a couple social links, they do expand. Like, the leader of the track team, I finished his his social link. At the start, I was like, this, this is boring. It expanded, and now I'm like, oh, I really enjoyed that, actually. That was that was a very good story. It's just, if you're, if you're coming off 5, remember it's a PS2 game. That would be my advice. Remember it's a PS2 game, and expect greatness in the future. Like it's gonna it it does grow and get better. And like I said, the story has started to pick up and I'm very excited. I'm excited to continue talking about this game in the coming weeks because we, as in me and you, Kelly, have such different experiences, you know? Because you have such a vast familiarity that gives you a very unique lens for this remake. Whereas like I have none besides I know a couple spoilers from like the end and I know the characters because they've appeared in other stuff and everybody talks about them. But that's basically all I got. Like, I don't know the story. I know Tartarus is Tartarus. And that's all I know. Um, So I'm excited to continue to bounce off each other, especially now that it seems like I'm kind of getting into the main, the main part of the story, you know? Yeah. Um, Kelly has led lights and, while I was talking at one point, I looked over and she was just like red. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> she t- she's so mad at me for not loving the beginning. And I have a feeling 
I'm going to love it more and more as I go. Yeah, it's really a unique game. I feel what um, something that Persona 5 really suffers from is that every character kind of to a point gets their own space in the story Mm -hmm. like ryuji is really important at the beginning he goes through when he gets his persona and it's similar in scale to persona 4 where each character has like either a dungeon that's relevant to them or they like have a big part in someone else's like chie and yukiko persona 5 i feel really suffers from that because um you know An has to deal with all that stuff with Kamashita, and then her her story's kind of done. And when yeah. you do her social link, it's like, okay, you want to be a model, you don't want to be a model, but you want to be a model again. It's like I didn't find her social link super compelling, which is fine because I agree. I think some of the Persona Three social links are not super compelling, but I will say I think every character in Persona Three has the opportunity to be relevant to the story throughout the entire story. I think none of the characters suffer from, and I think what really helps with this is the fact that they all have personas when they're introduced and they all go through similar traumas, not similar traumas, but they, their trauma that they're experiencing is all together. Um, it's almost like the so, team is a character versus being separate yeah. personalities, which yeah. has upsides and, and like, downsides. Yeah, and like Akihiko's character is so dynamic in three and he gets to change and he gets to keep going through the story and 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 i just feel like it's you only get like glimpses of that glimpses of that in five like ryuji has all of his stuff with kamoshida and his knee and the track team and then he it's like he gets put on the back burner for the rest of the game until the very end well, not the very end, but pretty close to the end, especially if you're playing the original Persona 5. And then he gets like one special moment that is immediately ruined because the writers are like, woo. the writers were like, I don't know what they were doing. And it's like, it's not fair because he's such a great character, but it's just the structure of the game just lends itself to that. Whereas Persona 3, the structure of the game is a lot more insulated. So this character's what's happening in this character's life is affecting this character too. What's happening, they're a lot more interconnected with each other, which I think the game really, really benefits from and the story really, really benefits from because it makes it feel a lot more cohesive. And I think Tartarus being a dungeon crawler rather than different dungeons, even though it's a little bit antiquated and believe me when I say they did so much work on Tartarus for the remake, it's so much more fun to play those sections of the game than it used to be. Um, because it's one singular unit there's no like oh we have to like we have to get through this dungeon to like understand this character it's like you are understanding the character through time passing and time passing is such an important story beat uh, the game is all about time and how much of it you have and what you do with it and I just feel like the game does a really good job of connecting those themes to its characters, which it doesn't quite hit as hard for me in four and five. Four, a little bit more. Five, a lot less. I still love five. I think it's a great game. I just feel like the characters had so much potential 
especially like I'm thinking about like Haru. Like, oh yeah, like as a Persona like Five lover, Persona, Haru's just there. It's like she's she had so much potential, and but it's so interesting because it's like you can see pieces and parts of other characters sort of put into the characters from from uh, from uh, three into like four and then five. You could tell that when they made three, it was like all right, first like modern quote unquote persona game we got to really knock it out of the park and it felt like they started to carry certain themes into four which then carried into five in the characters especially with the whole arcana thing it's like oh you've got the lovers arcana they their characters fit a certain archetype and i think that's thing i mean that boils down to here's the simple fact of the matter you know how earlier we're talking about like pokemon which one's the best and which one's the favorite and stuff Mm -hmm. whichever persona you played first will almost definitely be your favorite. And it's really hard to change that. So if, like, for me, Persona 4 was the first Persona I played, Golden specifically. And, like, even though I think 5 is better, 4, like, has a place in my heart that cannot be touched. And the other thing is, like, the writers of Persona, they're very talented people. All the games are well-written in one way or another. Even if they have some, like, iffy stuff, it's almost, like, they're all well-written. We're sitting here, like, talking about 3 versus 4 versus 5, but, like, it's because we love all 3, right? Like, they're all good games. Um, But, like, if you played, like I did, 4 and 5, by the time you get back to 3, you're like, oh, Junpei's, like, the doofus hothead. And it's like, that the tropes that they like to lean into have been played. There's still a lot of value to those characters. Do not get me wrong. But if you've played other games in the series, you're going to say like, oh, like if you just played five, you would jump back and be like, oh, Junpei kind of reminds me of Ryuji, which is not fair because Junpei came first. But also like there's that hothead character from Persona 2. Like they, they've been doing it. Three's just like the first mainstream one. Um, So I think, inevitably unless it's your first persona you're gonna fall victim to some of that like you're gonna be like oh the trends are visible they're very clear to some people or they're very i mean they'd be very clear to anybody like junpei yosuke and ryuji kind of hang out in the same camp no matter what even if they're all unique and all have a lot of things and i know that they're very distinct when you jump in and you don't know them yet because I didn't know Junpei. I knew his name. That's all I knew. For the first bit, you can't help but be like, oh, this reminds me of, of that character. And they all develop. And I are completely unique. But when you start, that is what happened. Like, Mitsuru, I love. She's cool. For the first five hours, I was like, this is Sai Nijima. Straight up. From Persona 5. I was like, I can't see anything else. Which doesn't help because they sound very similar but that's a voice actor thing not a writing thing like their voice actors are so similar that i was like oh no <laughs> it's like i really wish she sounded more different because like i they look kind of the similar but they sound so similar and please take into consideration i just played persona 5 royal so i have mm-hmm. again another unique lens there that is very slightly dampening the game but i'm also like, I don't see her that way anymore. I do not see her as the side copy anymore. That was just how it felt when I started. Uh, yeah. And I think the thing, too, is that the characters in 3 are different. Um, 
and they become different. And I don't want to say too much because you're still early on in the game. So I'm coming in with context that you don't have. But um, there are certain things that I think are interesting that you've said. Like Junpei being similar to Ryuji and Yosuke. It's like, I hear that and I'm like, whoa. It's what what it boils sure? down to is it's the hothead but, boy that you get at the beginning. Right. They do follow right. those tropes. Even if the characters will develop into unique characters, they do follow that same start, you know? Right. Right. I just, I have too much context. Exactly. So Which agree. is why I really like talking about it with you specifically. Because like I I, just, when I say things like, oh, Mitsuru reminds me of Sainijima, you're probably like, shut up. But I was sitting here, I'm like, not, I can't help it. It's not even that. I understand. Like, I understand why you think these characters are this certain way. But it's it's just the benefit of, of you having played five first. The characters yes, in yeah, five yeah. are like that because of the characters in three and four. That's what I was saying, is five. it's not really. And also, like, you and I do not know almost anything about Persona 1 and 2. But I do know that those tropes did not start with three. A lot of those things came over games from games that neither of us will ever play. So it's like there's even right. more context that we, that we are missing and will always be missing. Right. I don't even know the names of the characters from Persona 1 and 2. I just am familiar with the tropes because like I've watched content on 1 and 2. It just didn't like I've watched like a ton of videos on 1 and 2 specifically 2. Nobody really talks about one, but two people like to talk about. But other than like the protagonists of Persona 2, like the two main ones, I do not know the names of any of those characters. I just recognize them and know which trope they fit into. Right. And they do fit into those tropes. So those tropes are not, you know, they didn't pop up in Persona 3. That's just where they kind of got big and popular. Right. So. But, well. Go ahead. I don't want to. I'm not going to. I'm done. I'm not, I won't say anything more. I want to know. Is it a spoiler or is it just like another thought? It's spoilery. It's spoilery. For Persona 3? Everything kind of gets, I mean, things get flipped on their head very easily in 3. Oh, yeah, I believe that. I just haven't gotten And that's yet. all I want to say. And that's the thing. I, it's like, I know that it's going to change and improve, but I'm talking about it how I'm experiencing it right now. And even right. if I think it becomes my favorite Persona, which like, Sorry, it won't happen because that's not how this we already that's not how this works. It's already it's already done. But even if I love it immensely, I I mean those first twenty hours were pretty specifically one way, you know? That experience was slightly meandering at the start. And I mm -hmm. think again, it is a PlayStation 2 RPG. They have made it much prettier, they have made it much easier to play. But it is a PlayStation 2 game, which is very cool in a sense. Like, it feels weird to be playing, like, a PS2 game that looks incredible like this. But, like, when I'm playing it, I'm like, this is such a PS2 game. And I think I also have that context because, like, if you're new to RPGs or, like, if you didn't start playing games until, like, say, PlayStation 3 era, these are things that would be foreign to you. You wouldn't even recognize them. But, like, I played a, quite a few PlayStation 2 RPGs and even PlayStation 1 to some extent, like, so I have that context, and I think that makes it more interesting in some senses. I was going to talk about Reload for like three minutes, tops. Sorry. Oops. I have a lot of thoughts. It's okay. I'm excited that I like was able to catch up to you, although I'm probably going to fall back behind because uh, Final Fantasy VII comes out soon. Yeah. Um, but should I talk about the last game I played? Oops. 
Yes. I forgot about that. Uh, this one's a big review. I'm a little late, but I got Tekken 8. Snatch that bubby up from the library. Um, and I played through the whole story mode, which is not impressive. It is four hours long. It's quite easy. Um, but I really, really like the story mode of this game. I have not played a Tekken story mode before this. So I watched the summaries at the beginning, but those are kind of nonsense. So I didn't really know what was happening this entire game. Um, but didn't really matter. It is really cool because it's basically like a 15 episode short series of really incredibly highly produced pre-rendered cutscenes that very smoothly flow into gameplay. And you're playing as whatever character is pertinent to the cutscene you're in. And like the way that they transition into each other is really impressive, especially because the cutscenes are pre-rendered and really, really stunning. I had a great time going through it. And like I, I finished it in two sittings, even though like I'm not a huge fighting game person, just because it was super fun to go through and is really cool, visually stunning. The gameplay is really, really polished. Um, there is like an easy mode. Like if you tap the left bumper, it basically like turns on easy mode and you can like make do combos and stuff much easier. I tried to avoid, I actually, I don't think I use that at all. Um, I tried to feel out the mechanics and learn a bunch. Um, I had played like uh, what you call, I had played some local co-op in the past. So I know it's really not local co-op, local multiplayer. Um, so I know it's really good, but I was most focused on the story in this case. Um, they also have, arcade modes for every character um, that have like a little bit of context at the start and then a fully animated cutscene at the end, which I feel like is rare these days. Usually it's just like a piece of art at the end of these arcade modes, but it's like a fully animated cutscene as though they had like one. Um, so like I played as uh, one of the main characters is Hihachi, the guy with the big pointy hair. His like estranged daughter is in this game. And if you play her arcade mode at the end, She's like, I'm in charge now because she wins, but that didn't happen in the main story. But in this version, it does. And she's like using somebody as a foot rest and like surrounded by all the main characters that are like her her servants now. So it's it's fun to see those kind of alternatives. I haven't played through all of them because 32 is a lot. And uh, but I'm really happy with it. It was really, really stunning. I'll, I'll be playing some local multiplayer with friends soon and enjoying it to its fullest. It is a really, really good fighting game. If you're interested in fighting games. I don't know. It's a hard choice because, like, I loved Street Fighter Six, and I really like this. I don't know where I'd go. I would say, based just you know, use go with your gut because visually they're both really nice, but they're going for different things. So, I think I like Street Fighter Six more. Do I? I it does. I I don't know who you're trying to convince. I'm trying to it decide. Like I think that. I like Street Fighter Six more because, like, I think I have more attachment to that series. But, like, I love, I played Tekken 7 a ton with friend of the show, Shay, back in the Olsen Lounge. Uh, I played it as back. Noctis from Final Fantasy 15 because he was in there for some reason. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm excited to play this game more. I'll probably buy it when it goes on sale a little bit more. Um, it is 70 bucks, so big investment. It's also the first, like, next-gen only. Ugh, next-gen. We are years into this generation. It is only on PlayStation 5 and Series X and PC, so it definitely takes advantage. It is very pretty. Highly recommend it, though, if you're looking for a new fighting game. It's very fun. Very nice. Did you play anything? No, I was out of town. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I played games on my phone. I played choice games. Play any uh, uh, Candy Crush Saga? No. I don't really like Candy Crush. Play any Angry Birds? No. Play any Plants vs. Zombies? Nope. That's the only mobile games I know. Well, maybe you could go brush up on your mobile game knowledge no. for the next episode. Are you okay. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth comes out in two days, okay. time of release. I was just making a joke I'm gonna to round out this scream. episode and put a pin in it because we've been talking for a long time. I'm really hungry. Well, that's a you problem. That is not a me problem. I have one complaint. What is your complaint? I'm visiting my family this weekend, uh, which is great. But hey, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth comes out Thursday. I'm leaving Thursday night to go to Pennsylvania until Sunday night. I will try. Okay, I might be like, yo, family, I love you. I'm leaving Sunday morning and just come back <laughs> and play a bunch. Because I don't want to go into this podcast without at least a, a couple hours under my belt. Yeah. That's understandable. So. I didn't think I was hungry, but my stomach just went. (laughs) Well. Did you like my impression? I did. Why are our episodes. Oh, I guess we took another week off. I was like, why do we keep doing long ones? Well, we also talked about Pokemon for a long time. And then we talked about Persona 3 for a long time. So. Yeah. And Elden Ring. Oh, okay. One more time. I'm so excited for Shadow of the Air Tree. Me too. What the heck? It's such a good. Also, like that timing. Like that, the, during that game drought, I'm like, y'all, you waited. You were like, we're going to put this out. Because if they put it out, like, that was my fear. I was like, they better not shadow drop this because I yeah. can't right now. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to this. Okay. It's going to be June 21st. We're going to be so excited to be playing Elden Ring, Shadow of the Air Tree. And then June 22nd, Bioware is going to be like, oh, Dragon Age 4 is coming out in October. <laughs> you really. I thought you were going to go somewhere rational. That's not irrational. Um, I'm going to be 100. It's not. They said they said they'd we'd hear from them next summer. Uh huh. That summer. I no no no. You us hearing from them is not irrational. The four month turnaround. Think, I don't think it's that's. I don't think it's that crazy. I think 2024 is possible. You, I really do. You nuts. I'm not. I don't think I am. I think if you I think if you look at the signs, the signs are pointing to fall 2024. That's all I'm going to say. Do you want to hear a good sign real quick? Yeah, but I'm starving. June 21st is a Friday. Yippee! I was scared Hopefully it's going to be I'll be unemployed by then. I'm just kidding. It's literally a joke. Thank you guys so much for listening <laughs> to this week's episode. I hope you have a great day, week, month, year. Happy 1, um, 2, 3. We're happy 1, 2, 3. We hope to see or hear. I mean, we hope to talk to you. Uh, (laughs) Bye.